welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. I'm your host, Brett Kane, and you are tuning in before the winter solstice. It is the darkest time of the year, essentially right now, but hopefully it's not that dark in your own experience. I know with where I'm at, there's actually a lot of warmth here at the HQ, which is essentially just my bedroom, so I'm probably never going to call it that again, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, the solstice is a wonderful time to set intentions uh, as we cross that threshold. We're moving towards more and more light. So now is a good time to just take inventory of where you're at. Let go of things that no longer serve you. And let's all, sorry, that's a lot of gross mouth noises, like slurping and stuff as I'm trying to be quasi serious here. <laughs> let's all move forward to a new future that uh, serves us to the most of our ability and if you've never done anything like an intention setting it's super easy uh whatever you feel like doing to set that container um you know life will meet you where you're at so just give it a moment even if it's just 10 minutes maybe even write down some things that you want to let go of as we approach the the new year and as we start moving towards more and more light let's use this as an opportunity to bring more light into our own lives let's really be present with the fact that this is the darkest time of the year and this is a moment of respite as we've had a very long and difficult year um, we can now start planning within our own energies and experience to uh, climb that ladder so to speak let's climb out of the hole that we've kind of cast ourselves in if that applies if you are like me I've been staying fairly steady there is some shadows that I'm starting to have to box with a little bit but um, compared to years past you know I, I feel pretty solid and steady I am here for you I'm here to continue creating content and not falter and uh, that's just what I'm gonna do um, today's guest is um, the incredibly powerful Amanda Gilbert. Grand Rapidians may know her as the one who started Happy Henna, uh, a business that um, trains henna artists to um, adorn folks with the beautiful craft, the ancient, ancient craft of henna, which is, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a form of temporary tattoo that lasts two to three weeks. It's made with a specific plant dye that you create by smushing up the plant. We get into that. Um, but she's actually starting a new nonprofit. She's done a lot of work with crowning um, women who are battling cancer with absolutely incredible artwork with this henna and the work that she does with that by holding space for people who are undergoing such a uprooting, uh, oftentimes mostly traumatic experience. Um, she's meeting them in this dark space and being able to provide a very shining light and reminder of who they ultimately are and the innate beauty that rests within them. And um, I, I left this feeling very inspired, very encouraged, very um, humbled and honored to been able to have held this conversation and been able to give her a platform. I mean, she already has, honestly, a bigger platform than I have. So, um, you know, my humbleness only extends so far. But I, I, I really like this conversation. I really feel passionate about the program that she's doing. And um, she is starting a Kickstarter to really jumpstart this nonprofit. And I think if you do have anything to uh, spare, I mean, as small as a dollar, as big as however big you want, there's a lot of work to be done. And um, this is something, this is such an incredible force of nature that's moving through uh, the cancer community. And it really does offer um, the benefit of just remembering the ultimate truth of who you are while you're going through such a traumatic experience. I just, I, this exemplifies so much of what I am passionate about. And, 
yeah, I don't want to keep you too long from the conversation because she has a lot of wisdom to share. Uh, we talk about the history of henna, the application, her sourcing, how to get trained to adorn people, how to use it as a tool for meditation. It, it, it covers every check mark in all the boxes. And um, yeah, I just feel like as the show goes on, I'm just having more and more deep conversations that I'm just incredibly happy to be able to uh, be, take part of. You know, I don't honestly really care where the viewership is at right now. Thank you so much, by the way, for listening. But at the same time, like I am getting so many downloads from all the guests that I've been having. Everybody has really showed up and I am just absolutely floored to have been able to even go this far. I'm very thankful and I have a lot of gratitude and everybody who's listening right now, truly, I thank you so much for whether this is your first time or you've been following us some episode one or second episode, whatever attention you give in this show, I thank you because it really does help me continue to show up and continue to push my own boundaries. Um, and I do want to take this as far as it will go for the sake of creating community and having more of these lovely conversations. I have uh, an incredible roster. It's about 50 people deep that I'm moving through um, and it keeps expanding and I'm getting more ideas to include. And it all ties into the theme of increasing our vitality, of becoming more embodied, of living a more whole connected life, having better relationships, um, understanding how to take care of ourselves build better communities it, it's all here um and yeah we're doing this together so before we get started i do want to just throw out there if you are interested in this show if you want to get involved let me know uh, whether you want to be a part of the conversation if you know somebody that wants to talk the email address is 21st century vitalism at gmail.com uh, just let me know, even if you have some feedback, if something doesn't sound right, if you think I could have a better delivery with something, if I talk too much, um, let me know. Whatever your thoughts are, literally whatever they are, I'm open to hearing them and uh, excited to hear them. Uh, if you want to support the show more unilaterally, unilaterally, I don't know, whatever, um, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. That is podcast gold. That helps me um, make more of a... A, a bargain to advertisers if they do want of which i would definitely vet very very closely i would only rep products and services that i believe in um but it also helps me rise up in the algorithms and extend the conversation to people who need it uh, it helps me um get higher bracket guests though i already feel like i'm talking to some of the most incredible human beings you know but it definitely helps my reach in just about every way so that helps um follow us on facebook um youtube if you want to subscribe like comment whatever all that stuff is it's gold i was always so annoyed when a youtuber would kind of tell me like so don't forget to subscribe but like really it is the lifeblood to making sure that we can do this consistently and uh with integrity so uh, I only ask because it, it is a massive help. It's not an ego boost. It, it's how we keep these things going. And I truly am grateful for everything. So without further ado, uh, please welcome to 21st Century Vitalism, Amanda Gilbert. All right, Amanda, hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am doing fantastic um, in Texas right now, enjoying the weather. It's much nicer than Michigan. 
Yeah, we don't have snow yet, but I'm sure it's not as nice as Texas. What uh, <laughs> what brings you out that way? So I have been traveling, making connections for the nonprofit for 100 Crowns of Courage. Um, I was actually just flying through to Texas. I was in L.A. at a Tony Robbins event, Date with Destiny. And so I was with actually a bunch of doctors that worked directly with Tony Robbins for his events. And they were doing like an in-person um, retreat style, like virtual date with destiny. So it was like, it was really powerful. It helped me um, get back in, in alignment with myself and with my goals and with my mindset um, to really step into my power. Because um, it's been a really like crazy, scary year of like, should I do this? Should I not do this for like your business or your nonprofit? So um, yeah, it just helped me like get back into alignment and be like, yes, I know this is possible. I know I have the tools and the skills and the ability to really be a leader um, in the things that I want to do. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I've never been to a Tony Robbins event, but I've definitely seen videos. And I always find it to be really amazing when one person can hold an audience that big and create oh such gosh. a profound ripple where like everybody is in this like ecstatic shared state. Um, is that your first one, I'm going to assume? That was my first one. And I, I knew of him, um, but I never really experienced any of his events. And I was like, oh, he's just like, you know, um, like an entrepreneurial like influencer, but he's so much more than that. He's, um, you know, like tapping into the psychology and the spiritual and the meditation. And when we get aligned with ourselves, we can make anything possible. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, I was really happy. I, I went to that event and I was actually able to extend my Kickstarter campaign nice, for another nice. week. So, um, yeah, that, that helped me to be like, all right, great. I can do another jump start to the week to get the final funding in that I need. Right. And we'll definitely be getting into the Kickstarter. But before we get into uh, your specific work that you've been uh, building on for the past few years, um, I feel like a lot of people might not actually even know what henna is. I know you were actually <laughs> one of the first people to introduce me to it. I've kind of seen it before, but I didn't really know any of the philosophical or spiritual connotations. So for the listeners out there who are unfamiliar with this art form, with this practice, um, what exactly is it? Uh, and how is it different from other body modification modalities? Yeah, oh my gosh, henna is one of the most beautiful art forms for not only only adorning your body, but it can be used to um, as a dye product. So like dyeing your hair, your clothes. Um, it's a 5,000 year old art form that is actually made from a plant called the Sonia. It is a kind of like a bush tree that has um, flowers that grow on it, but it's the leaf of the plant that is used um, to stain the skin. So the leaf is broken down into like a powdered form. And then uh, when you mix it with water or coffee or tea, um, lemon juice, sugar, like there's lots of um, ways to make the actual paste from it um, with essential oils. And it is, uh, it's almost like mud going on top of the skin. And when it's applied onto the skin, onto this mud form, it will dry, flake away, and then leave behind a stain. 
And what it does is actually like permanently stains your skin cells, but you get new skin cells every day. That's why it's temporary. So it's a permanent temporary tattoo. It's so, so beautiful. And um, it goes, you know, it originates from Egypt and it was brought over to India during trade. Um, and it's used all throughout like Northern Africa, Middle East, India. And then, you know, in the last like several decades, it was brought over to America um, in the mixing pool of all the people. And um, yeah, I'm right now, like what I, my passion with it is bringing it back to its roots, which this plant was used medicinally for topical tumors, for um, like so many different skin ailments. It actually helps with regrowth of hair. Um, you can ingest it if you want. Um, it doesn't taste very good. It's kind of like a, a matcha style taste. And uh, it's, it's really meant to be a form of blessing. Wow. So... Yeah. Do you want me to go more into that? I could talk about that all day. <laughs> Honestly, I find it fascinating. What um, you said it started in Egypt. Was it kind of used in like um, ceremonial usage or was it primarily medicinal that kind of inspired them to start working with this plant? Well, I believe it. I mean, it's so, so far back. So nobody really actually knows, you know, the, the roots of it. But the first like... Um, discovery was on Egyptians like from the tombs they actually had it like in their hair um and they found it in a lot of like the scribes and the photos of these women having like these designs on their hands um I believe that like they would use it medicinally and when they found that when they would mix it with um like even just water into like a powdered form and they put it on their skin they realized that it was um, like sunscreen, right? <laughs> so when you have it on your skin, like even, you know, you go to Cancun or something and you have henna, it'll actually leave behind a suntan line. So Whoa. it's protecting your skin and your skin cells. And it's also cooling. So it has a natural cooling um, uh, material, like chemically in it. So it's cooling down your body. Um, and I believe that, you know, the women, when they put it on their skin, they're like, not, they don't like the blotchiness of it. So they started applying it with like sticks and twigs and creating lines and dots. And um, just like any form of tattooing, people do it because of a story. They want to share some sort of story behind why they're getting that tattoo. Now, traditionally, it was not, it was used not only for like protection of your skin, but it was used for protection of the spiritual realm. Mm. So it's protecting you from those evil spirits um, that can easily connect to your thoughts and what you think and what you say. So when they would apply it on their skin, it was protecting them, reminding them of their inner light, their inner beauty of who God had made them, um, and allowing them to manifest that. So every time they saw it, they're like, oh, yes, I'm protected, and I'm going to remember the true identity of who I am, which is pure, which is love, which is worthy, which is joyful. You know, that's who God is, is completely love. And um, to protect them from those negative thoughts and to choose those positive thoughts and to bring them on a journey through 
whatever they're going through, whatever they're battling, if it's, um, you know, their husband's leaving for a couple weeks, if someone had passed in their family, um, if they had a celebration of a birth, um, they would apply this onto their skin and then take them through that journey of celebration of the things that they wanted to say, the things they wanted to manifest. And then um, as it fades, it reminds them that everything in life is temporary. Even your skin cells, like as a, a human being, we are a completely different person within like what, uh, six months six or months, seven, okay. seven months or something like that. Our, our complete like cells have changed. We're still the same person. Our soul is the same person, right? But our cells are new. So within like, you know, uh, seven to 14 days is when that top layer of your skin is gone. And that's why it lasts about a week or two weeks onto the skin. Wow. So, you, so it's, weeks. Okay. yeah. So it's really like, a, it's root form is to be a blessing, is wow. to remind the person of their true inner light, which the word Mahindi in Sanskrit, henna, Mahindi means inner, inner light, inner mm. beauty. Um, so it is just like an absolutely beautiful, beautiful art form. And I'm so, so thankful that it has come to me in my life. And um, it has changed my, my life in so many ways. And, um, and other, other women that I work with as well. So I can share that with you at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. with the application of henna, are there kind of different, are they kind of like spells in that there's specific patterns for specific um, like uses? Like we see a lot of a very distinct style with it. And is there something that kind of inspires that style or is it kind of just free flowing creativity in the moment? Or are there like specific things that you're putting on to um, answer to specific experiences? Mm. Yes, um, absolutely yes to everything you said. <laughs> so, um, yes, there are specific styles in different parts of the world. So if you are going to go to Morocco, to Egypt, to parts of India, or some parts of um, the Middle East, they're going to have certain descriptions of even a line or a bump or a circle or um, a swirl, right? a lot of them actually interact with each other. Like a lot of them actually mean very similar things. Um, however, I think ultimately it all comes down to the person. So the person that I'm working with, I can put my own interpretation in it, but ultimately it's that person's interpretation and what they want to manifest through it. So um, I think that as a henna um, professional and a henna artist, I'm doing a lot of spiritual work with the person. So when I'm actually holding their hand, there is an exchange of energy that happens, um, not only like physical, but like energetically exchange when you're holding space and you're holding someone's hand for more than 30 seconds. It's proven scientifically like there is an exchange that happens. And so what I like to do is to tap into that person and listen like a Christ consciousness, listen and ask the right questions to where I'm like pulling out that inner light of who they are, breathing slow with them, and then adorning them and pulling it out onto the skin and then reminding them of the conversations that we have. So there are, there are like um, symbols that I intuitively know what it represents. So like I can create a story onto their skin 
And then I do a personal blessing with them at the end. And I do an affirmation, repeating back everything that I heard of who they are, the inner light, that beauty. And then I go over the tattoo and I tell them like what it means, like from for what I was pulling out, this is what the design looks like means and um, what this symbol means. And for them, they can create that own interpretation as well for themselves. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's perfectly makes sense. It, um, yeah. it, it's like you're praying for an extended amount of time and then you're grafting the prayers onto their body, which I, I kind of like the idea that it like, it is temporary because I mean, I think that really does point to the temporal nature of all of the, the physical reality that we're in, but it, it's temporary, but it also settles deep into their being, you know, on one yeah. different level, you know, it's, it was there, it's a reminder that they chose to enter that space. And it seems like a very vulnerable space if you're literally holding someone's hand for an extended amount of time. Holding their hands, slowing the breath. So I get them into this trance of helping them lead, lead them through um, a certain form of breath. And not only like I train them in it at first, but we sync up in breath. When you're around someone in close proximity, you you naturally start to breathe with them. Yeah. So it's like that meditation of slowing your breath and then also smelling the essential oils. Um, and I do a lot of like, I look directly into their eyes and it's not many people know how to truly have that authentic relating. So um, like truly listening and truly like being a mirror um, and mirroring who they are it's incredible yeah i actually had no idea of the entire shape of the container that you're providing i kind of thought that uh it was a little bit more of a casual thing i mean i knew that there was the element of like mindfulness and sharing space like that but it sounds like i mean you're you're playing with their sense of touch their sense of smell you're meeting them in the eyes and um how did you end up developing this specific skill set? Is this kind of universal across all mm. henna practitioners, or is this something you've done yourself? Hmm. I think that is an amazing question. I I believe that there are several henna artists um, that I'm connected to that have tapped into this naturally when they have been doing this a while and respect the the plant itself and like love the plant um i think that through art and through um doing henna as a form of meditation it actually teaches you these tools um to slow down and when you're slowing down and breathing and loving and adorning yourself you're going to start changing those neural pathways to truly love yourself and when you do that I believe it teaches you how to do it with other people on a whole nother level. And so I wouldn't say that I'm the only one that does this. No, I think that um, I think that there are several other henna artists that probably do this as a form of ritual. Um, but my goal is to be able to really tap in and teach other henna artists how to do this, not only for themselves for healing, but to bring healing for other people on a deep, authentic um, relating way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting because it is expanding. It's art, but at the same time, the way you're, it reminds me of the space that I hold for massage in that it sounds like you're doing like a body work or like an energy work as well as like, it almost seems like the surface level of the art on the body is like just that, like the surface level. And like the real work is like so much deeper. Like that's the container that holds it, not to be diminutive of the the physical mm-hmm. aspect of it, because that is... Yeah the 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 layer that we are able to perceive <laughs> but it, it's like that is the um the top of the glacier and then everything underneath is actually where a lot of this real work would well, you say that's accurate 100% accurate i i always tell people um like henna is just a vessel for me to do the deeper work and mm-hmm. it's truly a healing um ceremonial uh a ritual that i believe the root of this plant wants to be used as wow yeah Mm -hmm. it kind of just reminds me i mean we typically talk about plant medicines primarily in relation to like psilocybin mushrooms or like ayahuasca or uh, peyote and stuff but i i would have never have considered um the henna i'm sorry what was the plant name lasonia Alessonia, that is a beautiful name too. Isn't it beautiful? I think I want to name my daughter that someday. Oh, that would be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And I I guess like adding that to the roster of these um, plant teachers, oh my God, like that, my mind is actually blue. Like I could feel it leaking a little bit. Um, (laughs) I know it brings me to tears. I've been talking with some plant medicine people on there. They think that it would be very powerful. Um, I like to relate it to tobacco. Tobacco yeah. is a beautiful plant medicine, but it's been very much abused. And that's how I feel like henna has been abused. A lot of people use it as, oh, this is just novelty on the skin. Um, and there's lots of bad henna out there. There's like chemical henna that have people don't know how to make it themselves. And so it's sitting on the shelf. Henna should never be sitting on a shelf. You should never just buy it like online. <laughs> like buy it from a supplier, someone that knows how to make it because what you put in your skin goes into your cells, like goes into your bloodstream. So like just being aware and conscious of like what we put on our body, our bodies are a temple, they're sacred. And not only like, you know, it, not only is it like topically on the skin and it's beautiful, but it's those intentions, those blessings, like go into your bloodstream, into your cells. And so like, I mean, I could talk about this all day. Like Dr. Emoto's water experiment, um, if anyone's listening right now, look it up. Um, It's the same thing with blessing water. Our bodies are made up of, what, 70% water. And when we bless the water that we're drinking, I think that we're also blessing, like, the water in our bodies and our cells. So it's – there's lots of science behind this. Yeah. Yeah, and that, mm-hmm. that water experiment is actually fairly famous at this point. Um, I think my favorite band, Papadocio, even used some of the recordings from his like findings in one of their songs, We Are Water. So I always think of that. Um, so when it comes to sourcing, and I, I'm glad that you even compared it to tobacco, because I would also even go as far to say that you shouldn't be buying tobacco that's been sitting on shelves, you know, right. like finding direct sourced tobacco and like finding it ethically sourced is like really important because like the tobacco industry and I'm sure a lot of the henna industry is also um there's probably a lot of shady uh sourcing that goes on so really taking yeah. the time to get a well-honored farmer who is doing good work um yeah. where do you would you mind sharing where you would typically get yours from yes 
So in 2019, I flew over to India myself for a month. And I was going there to speak at a women's conference about the nonprofit. And I also had a chance to meet with my wholesaler. So I actually went to Rajasthan in India. And I got to see the plant for my first time and, like, hold it. And I saw the process of, like, how it was made. And so I got to see the farm and meet the family that make my, like, the organic of the plant. And I have it shipped over to me. So I... um I have an amazing source and I make all my own product and then I also sell it along with like teaching and training um, courses for other people to learn how to make it with with the product that I get. Whoa, that's so cool. I didn't realize that yeah. you were the one taking the organic source and then turning it into the the product that you would then apply. That's yep. really <laughs> cool. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely have all of your information in the details. So for those of you listening, check out the description because it's there. Thanks. Um, yeah, so where did, you, where did you find henna? I mean, I know that you said in 2019 you visited the source, but I know, I've known you for about four or five years now, and you've always been about this. So yeah. what has been your personal <laughs> journey, and um, what are some of the insights you've gained along that journey? <sighs> yeah, so back in 2010... I was going to Kuiper College, and I was going to school for intercultural studies and teaching English as a second language. I had a huge heart for missions and for cultures. I was actually going to go into the Peace Corps, um, but I had to get my bachelor's first. So while I was in school at Kuiper, I heard of an opportunity to work with refugees in Grand Rapids. Now, Michigan is the third highest state to resettle refugees from all over the world. And I was, I had this honor to get to know some families. So I started volunteering with uh, a couple of uh, social services in town. And I worked with an Eritrean family from, um, from Africa. And then I worked with uh, uh, an Afghani family. And then I worked with a, a Nepali family. Now, getting to know these families... There was one night, um, I think it was my Eritrean family, they had henna. And I walked in the door, I saw this lady doing henna on someone, and I was like, oh my gosh, my heart went right to my stomach, and I was like, I need to have this. Like, I got super emotional, and I was like, I feel like I know what this is. What is this? Like, I feel like I've done this in a past life. Like, I felt super connected to to this art, and um, I didn't have that time to have her adorn me but I asked her I was like hey could I actually take one of these henna cones and practice and she's like yeah of course so 2010 I go home I set out my table and I was like I just knew it was something really special (laughs) so I made it like really ceremonial and I put my hand down and I started doing henna myself and I was like looking at a picture that I could possibly like copy And at first, I was like, oh, my gosh, I suck at this. (laughs) Oh, I can't do this. And um, I was being really mean to myself. I was saying some of them, like, I I couldn't believe what I was saying to myself. And all of a sudden, I stopped. I took a couple deep breaths. (sighs) My breath slowed down. And I was like, Amanda, just love yourself. You're going to get better at this. You know you're going to keep doing this. This is so beautiful. Who cares what anyone else thinks? This is for you. This is your adornment. And no joke, an hour went by, and I didn't even look up. 
Like everything around me disappeared. I was like in this beautiful breath while I was like loving myself. And I remember looking up and I was just in tears. I started crying and I was like, wow, this is the first time in a long time I, I've actually like was loving to myself. I was blessing myself. Instead of, I was becoming aware of the negative like patterns that we tend to go down. And I, because I slowed my breath, I was able to consciously become aware of those thoughts and choose positive. And I chose to speak love over myself. And I looked up and I was super happy. I was super calm. And I had dealt with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks in my past. And I realized how calming this art was for me. And I chose that moment. I was like, I'm not going to take these anxiety pills anymore. I'm going to use, I'm going to use this as a tool and help me get off those pills. So I, um, I started taking a henna cone with me everywhere I went. And anytime I started to feel anxious, I slow my breath down. I would get back into that mindset and adorn myself. And all of a sudden I, I just was so calm that I didn't have to go back on those pills. And um, I started having friends ask me to do henna on them. And I was like instantly, you know, that mindset pattern was like, oh, they're going to hate it. I suck at this. And then I was like, no, I'm going to stop choosing that mindset. And I'm just going to adorn them. I'm just going to love them because who cares? Like they're going to love just me being present with them. So I started doing henna on my friends and no joke, like, Uh, Some of these girls I've known for six years, within 15 minutes, I felt like I knew them more than I did in those past six years because I was being present and I was being slow. I was slowing down enough to really listen and I was using the tools that I had gained from Bible school about Christ and Christ consciousness and just listening, just asking questions. And pulling out that inner light, that inner beauty of who they are. So I'd, I just intuitively started asking, like, what are your passions? What do you love? What do you want to achieve in the next week or two? What are things that you want to manifest? And all of a sudden, I started actually hearing the true heart of the person. And it was so fulfilling. And I was in even like my art, if you were to see my art 10 years ago, right? I'd be like, I can't believe people let me do that on them. (laughs) But it wasn't even about the art. It was the connection. It was the spiritual connection. And when you change your mindset to be like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. They're going to be like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And I had this awesome connection with my friend. They're not going to look at the the insecurities or the, um, the flaws of it, they're going to see it as beautiful. And if I were to, to stay in that negative mindset and just say like, oh, this sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. This is going to be bad. You know, you're just reframing that person to think that same thing. <laughs> so when you change your mindset and you begin to love yourself, how much more are you going to bring blessing and confidence and beauty and true like authenticness to another person. So that's what really like that's what changed me. That's what taught me. Like this art has taught me so much. And even now I keep I keep learning lessons. 
to go outside of my box, to not think that everything in life has to be perfect because there's so much beauty in the imperfection and that it will open me up and guide me to doing something I never thought was possible. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, I started this art in 2010, but it took me years before I changed my mindset and realized that I was made to be here to love and love what I do and just go fully after what I absolutely love because I saw that there was so much power and so much beauty in the whole, the whole true root and the mission behind this. I was like, I don't want to do anything else. All I want to do is connect and empower people and do art <laughs> and wow. remind them that there's a whole nother way of living when we slow down and we become present. Not think about the past or the future, just being present. And that's where life truly is, is lived in, a, in, in such a beautiful, blissful place. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems to me like hearing um, about your like roots with it, like that first time that you sat down and had all of those like negative self ideations, it kind of seems like henna was a container. It was like a mirror for you to kind of come home to the present moment, which was where you were in that moment. And it's like, it's not that it was wrong that you were having that negative ideation, but you may have not had anything to pull you into the present moment to show you exactly where you were. And it was that yeah. moment when you like, I feel like crap. I'm going to take a deep breath. And then it's like that moment where you're kind of like that transition between I feel like crap and I'm going to take a deep breath that I, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to speak in your experience, but mm -hmm. my interpretation is that it was like, that was the the moment where you kind of stopped running away from it. You're just, <sighs> is, it, is that kind of accurate? 100%. Yeah. Cause Wonderful. when you have anxiety, you tend to want to run away or avoid those feelings. But when we slow down, and we allow those feelings to come, you cry, you become yeah. present, you, you allow those things to be released. And then what's so great about henna is that it's an art form that allows you to express yourself, even when you don't have words. And I think that was what was hard for me is that I wouldn't be able to explain to people why I was anxious. <laughs> yeah. So to be able to do an art just to express myself was so healing for me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I also think that rich background of having the anxiety and the panic attacks probably equips you with the tools to better create a space for all walks of life so people can have equal benefit from what you're doing because you know how to like read the signs of people's mental maps, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, yes, you, 100%. you have to go through it in order to be able to hold space for it. And um, another thing that comes up from your story that I find interesting is it kind of sounds like you used your spirituality as kind of a foundation for you to be able to meet other people with where they're at and then to mirror that inner light that you've kind of uncovered through your own spiritual practices to the people that you're working with you know you're asking them what they're inspired by and what they're passionate you're you're showing them the higher aspect of themselves that sometimes we don't have access to because of our habitual ideation and would you say that's also kind of an accurate yeah thing? you can you know how to mirror me well yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that anybody who's like in the flow of doing work that holds space, I think, it, you know, I do massage therapy. So that's where I'm hearing a lot of the same corollaries. Because like, as you're saying this, I can literally apply everything that you're saying to massage, even down to linking of the breath. And, um, you know, and I think that that's just like the work of 
being present. It's being present. That's I, I think it carries across all traditions, you know, and yeah. different modalities. Mm-hmm. So I, I find your story to be really interesting. At what point did you go from I like hooking up my friends to now I'm in art prize, now I'm taking this <laughs> to the public sphere? Like how did that that kind of transition look, that expansion? Okay, so um, this is an interesting story. I don't tell everyone, so this is special. Um, it was in 2016 where I had um, I had been working so many jobs, okay, just to make ends meet, just to like pay for bills and and do things, and um, it was it was a lot for me. I was getting really depressed. I was like, oh my gosh, I paid this month. How am I gonna pay next month? <laughs> you know, I did not like being in that mindset. And I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I felt like I had so much potential and so much love in me. Um, I had given so much of my time working with AmeriCorps and like the homeless and this. I was like, but it wasn't really, um, you know, paying me to, to, to live a more like healthier life. And um, I had an opportunity to work for this doctor who was like, hey, I would love for you to go to India with me and do this cultural training. And um, we're going to leave next month. He got me a 10-year visa to go to India. And I was like, wow, this is really happening. I So I legit like left my job. I left my apartment, everything, so I could work for this guy. And he completely bailed on me. So, oh so I'm just like, what the heck? What am I doing? Like, what am I doing in my life? All of a sudden, like everything that I thought I knew, I kind of just like – I was just, I just threw out the door. I was just like, what is this? What's life? And so I'm so grateful that I went to this Bible school for several years because I knew, I was like, the only foundation I have is my faith. And if, if I don't even know if this is real anymore, <laughs> like why would God do this to me? You know, I thought he loved me. And so I heard about this, um, this conference in California. It was called the one, I think like one thing or something conference. It was through Bethel Church. And I was like, you know what, this is my last straw. If, if God's real, like, I'm just going to go out there and just, like, you know, have this one experience to see if anything comes of it. So I flew out to California. I went to this conference. And if you can picture me, I'm standing there just completely, like, I was just sobbing. I was like, God, do you love me? Like, do you, am I, are you real? Like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Like, I don't want to be on this earth if I'm not like doing something meaningful and something like powerful that like I can be taken care of. And I don't, I don't want to have to rely on other people. I don't want to re- rely on some man to take care of me. Like, I know that I can do this. Like, are you real? And he's like, I got this download, right? I just heard this voice in my head that was like, what if I was just made to love? What if I was created to be in this world just to love, love God, love people, love what I do? What do I love? And I was like, well, I love doing henna. I love the conversations I have. I love how it makes me feel. But how in the world am I supposed to make money doing henna? (laughs) I didn't go to business school. I don't really know like what I'm doing. And I heard, Amanda, what do you have to lose? Like, you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Like, by the way I'm talking and thinking, like, why would I even be here? Like, why not just fully live and go after my heart, what I love, and just jump into it? Why wouldn't I be taken care of? Like, he takes care of the birds in the air and the 
and close the flowers in the field? Like, what do I have to lose? And I was like, am I just thinking about Bible verses because I went to a Bible school? Or is this like, am I going crazy? Like, I feel like I'm going psycho. And um, I heard like, well, just ask. If I'm going to ask. If you don't ask, you won't receive. So I just asked. I'm like, God, if this is really you, if I should just do henna and try to make money doing this, um, give me some sort of sign because I feel like I'm going crazy. And um, no joke, like five minutes later, as I'm sitting there just like asking, a complete stranger came up to me and she's like, hey, I really love the way that you're worshiping. And I felt like God wanted me to tell you he's given you gifts of art and he's going to use you. I literally just like fell to the ground and I start crying and I'm like trying to explain to this girl like what was going on she's like okay and like walks away <laughs> like I had no idea like yeah. no idea what was going on and so I was like well what do I have to lose like I'm just going I'm gonna go after this and trust and ask and um, I remember going down the Venice Strip and seeing all these artists doing what they love and I was like okay, if they can do this, I know I can do this. And um, I remember going home and within a month, okay, within a month, I started asking my friends who are entrepreneurs. I was like, hey, I really want to do this. Do you think it's possible? And I had friends, like, they were so helpful for me. I'm so grateful that I asked for support because within a month, I was making more than I was a nine to five job in one day. Wow. Doing what I love and empowering women, and connecting with them, and seeing breakthroughs happen, and seeing women cry and open up to me within five minutes of doing henna. And in that moment, I remember the first paycheck I got from someone, I said, okay, God, like, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this as a mission, as a vessel to bring healing and to bring love. And, um, and that was it. That's where I just started my business called Happy Henna and bringing happiness and healing through this art form. And I knew I wanted to do something more. So my first intention was to really do henna for girls who dealt with anxiety and self-harm. So like girls who had cut themselves and be able to cover up their scars with henna. And I tried calling hospitals and I wasn't very confident at the time. So, you know, they were like, that's henna. And I'd be like, oh, never mind. And like, And um, I heard about a salon that gave free services to cancer patients in Comstock Park where I grew up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go there and show up and show them what I can do so I don't like, so they don't tell me to go away. So I went there and I was like, hey, can I, can I adorn these women that are going through cancer once a month? And they're like, yeah, come and take a chair and like, um, you know, ask if they want henna. <laughs> So I started doing that, and uh, and I was blown away. Like, these women are some of the most powerful women that deal with the most anxiety. Can you imagine being diagnosed? And your whole life changed. Everything changes in your life. You can't go back to work. You have to rely on other people. You have to go to doctor's appointments. Um, within a month, you're, you don't even look like yourself. Your hair is gone. Your eyebrows are gone. Your eyelashes. Like, your whole body has completely changed, and you – you can't even look in the mirror. So, you know, I started really tapping into these women who are dealing with some of the most horrific, like, life changes. And a lot of times they don't feel like they have a voice that they can't even share or talk about it because they don't even quite understand what they're going through. And they have to be strong for their family, for their kids. 
Um, so I, I was able to see that this art was actually really, really healing for these women. Um, not only were they able to open up and talk with me, but it was a tool to have a conversation other than what they were going through. Because you don't want to talk about being sick 24-7 with everyone that are looking at you and making you look like you're sick or like having pity on you. Mm-hmm. So it was a topic of conversation that was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Like, tell me about that. It was so refreshing for these women. And they were like, yeah, like she reminded me of who I am. Not this outer part, not that cancer is my identity, like who I truly am is this beauty inside. Like I love going to my garden. It reminds me to go to my garden. It reminds me, like I would write hope, faith, love. I'd write Bible verses. I'd write mantras. And, um, you know, every single day they're looking at it and they have that choice to change their mindset. Instead of waking up and cursing their body, they can wake up and be like, yes, I love you. I love you, body. You're a temple. I'm going to speak love and healing over you. And that's where it begins. It begins with a mind. That he- that's where healing begins. Wow. Changing those mindsets, changing those patterns. And then you begin to believe it. It's on you for more than seven days. And scientifically, if you see something seven times over, you begin to believe it. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so yeah, that's a, it was through that salon that um, influenced me to do Art Prize. It's, it influenced me to give these ladies a platform to share their story. And, um, and then it just took off from there to, to want to start a nonprofit. <laughs> the, na- the natural evolution of things. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to unpack there and I don't know where I want to start because like every part of that, that evolution, there's something really core to what I think like the path of any, um, seeker or healer has, you know, like the idea of struggling with the financial aspect of like, I really have an offering that I want to give to the world, but I'm afraid that I'm not going to be met with the resources to kind of sustain myself. And I think that that's kind of like one of the the threshold guardians, if you will, that um, you have to pass through, which I, I think your faith probably equipped you with the tools to be able to like step beyond that veil and to trust that what your natural inclination is, is what is here to um, kind of float you across the the rivers of life, you know, and um, I feel like a lot of people get really hung up on the financial aspect, especially artists, I've noticed. And I think um, a big part of it is just kind of like the relationship to the idea of like, I don't want to do anything just for money, you know, but it's like allowing your money to work for you to maximize the benefit for as many people as possible, I think is like a really powerful mentality and relationship to form with it. And I think, you know, by charging for what you do, I mean, that the first time you did that was probably what set the dominoes down to where you're able to actually start this nonprofit. You know, it's, it's a necessity. I was almost going to call it a necessary evil, but it's not (laughs) evil. It's, it's, it's a core aspect of living in this century and offering gifts, you know? Yeah. And knowing your worth, knowing that you have done the work for yourself and that you do have something to offer the world. And I believe that when you know your worth, when someone pays for it, they're actually willing to to do the work themselves too. So it's like a give and exchange and that they know that they're receiving something beautiful and powerful. Yeah. 
if anything, they're they're paying for the opportunity to give themselves permission to feel a certain way that you're creating a space for them to be able to feel, you know? And mm-hmm. you, as my meditation teacher says, you don't want to send off like unguided missiles, so to speak. Like you're still kind of creating the space with the intention of like, what inspires you? You're a beautiful human being, vibrant, full of life and divinity. And so you have that intention as you're doing it. And that's kind of, the, they're, they're paying for the permission to view themselves differently, you know? And and sometimes I feel like a psychologist working with people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like people are literally like opening up and sharing a lot with me and, and, um, helping them take them through this, this mindset and this path to, to change that mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's amazing how many different professions and vocations there are out there that are actually like armchair psychology like even and this isn't diminishing any of them but like even like bartenders kind of have to like equip themselves with the the smallest tools to be able to like people are coming at you with all their neuroses at all times you know and especially when you create a container if you create a container where like it's a one-on-one thing you know it's the same thing with massage therapy other body work is like you have to develop the skill set to be able to uh, skillfully help judo flip people's neuroses into a more positive framework. You know, that's just like, that's an aspect of being human, but you've mm-hmm. definitely created a space to accentuate that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what was the first the first experience with um, um, adorning, which I love that you keep using the word adorning because that's not like applying. I said that earlier and that's <laughs> such a bland word <laughs> applying <laughs> um adorning it's it's beautiful it's um I, I think a lot more accurate but what was the first experience of adorning henna to someone who was going through cancer mm. oh okay so i think one of the first people i adorned her name is ruth um i met her at the salon and uh, when she sat down, she was really tough. She kind of had a wall up. And at first I was like, I don't know if she's going to like this. Um, but within the first like five, ten minutes of me like holding space and breathing and asking her questions um, and like really like adorning her and like bringing out like who she was, she started crying. She started like bawling in front of me. She's like, whoa, like I don't ever cry. Like this is weird. This is rare. Like she was kind of freaking out. Like, why is this happening right now? And, um, she felt so much healing and so much peace from it. And every single month after that, she would come back to me and be like, I have to get my henna. I have to get stuff from Amanda. And, um, and she is now one of my really good friends. And, um, she's been uh, a huge advocate and has been very helpful. And what's really crazy is that she, um, I met her after her hair had fallen out. So I actually didn't get to like adorn her head, but she was the first, um, cancer patient that I had, I had worked with, um, to do this art form on her. And it, you know, and it, and it also shows like how powerful it is, not even just like having it for the head, but, you know, having that, um, connection and that application and the meaning behind it for the hands. And, um, uh, the first time I did a henna crown was actually at the salon and it was a girl that was actually about my age, um, maybe even younger. And she had to have her hair shaved off for the first time. And for women, our hair is our identity. Like it's part of us. Like we spend hours, you know, working on our hair in the morning and how does it look like every single photo, like, hold on, let me fix my hair. And, um, so to have 
like it's like it's stripping it's stripping more than just like you know your identity away it's stripping a lot like your emotions away and I just remember walking into the salon and hearing this you know you can feel the energy when someone's like sad and uh and hearing her cry and so I was like you know a little bit nervous I was like hey you know your hair like this is going to be temporary it will grow back but how would you like to have henna on your head like how fun would that be <laughs> and like you'll look like a warrior you'll look like a princess you'll be in a walking art piece and you know she started laughing and she started realizing like oh my gosh you're right like this is temporary and like when else in the world am I ever gonna have a tattoo on my head and um so that was like a super powerful experience for me and to like watch and to witness and um she she just felt so loved and like honored with it and um that it was more than just like you know having to put a wig or uh, a scarf on her head but to to re-identify herself and to look like a, a like a queen like if you've seen some of these photos these women look like these goddess Egyptian priestesses and um you know, and then it involved to like makeup and getting their eyelashes and their eyebrows painted on and like a whole photo shoot where these women will have these images the rest of their life and they can talk about it and it can be a topic of conversation and then what they're going through and they can look back and be like, look, I found courage in some of the hardest times in my life. Wow. That is, <laughs> that's so incredible, Amanda. And I, I'm imagining that that's so humbling and honoring for you to be able to be trusted to um, adorn like an actual crown. Like you're yeah. you're applying a crown to, and it, because you are aware of like all the psychosocial dynamics that hair plays in someone's identity, you know, like that really is like a sacred, sacred um, opportunity that you're being able to provide these women. And it also like gives them like the ability to set their identity, like own who they are, where they are, you know, with the cancer and all it's able to like, here is who I am. I'm not afraid of displaying the fact that, you know, this is where I'm at, you know, you're inviting them into the present moment of who they are, rather than like, covering up, you know, it's like, it, that's an incredible, it, it's a really incredible practice that you have going on. Thank you. Um, yeah, and it's more than just a physical crown. It's a spiritual crown. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm literally crowning them with a spiritual mindset of knowing, like, that they're goddesses, that they're worthy, that they're yeah. beautiful, like, what their true beauty is. And um, setting that um, that stepping stone for them, you know, and their in their journey and what they're going through and protecting them and, like, reminding them of, of that choice to choose love over fear and and to give them a platform to share their story. Um, and it's scary to share with people like what you're really going through and what you're really feeling. But when you do that, you know how many doors open up? Yeah. These women have shared like when I was able to share my story, Amanda, I had strangers coming up and helping me. I had people like providing me food. I, I had other girls that had been diagnosed that I was now a mentor for. Wow. I was now, like, I felt like I had a purpose, like, you know, through all of this, that there is purpose in it. And, um, and there's meaning behind it. And I can, I, oh, wow. It's just like some of these women have said, I would never wish cancer upon anyone, but I would never take away the experience I had because it had brought a new awakening for them. Yeah. 
and it's a it's a choice of that that awakening but it's definitely like can be life-changing <laughs> it reminds me of uh the phrase um are you familiar with ramdas by chance yes yes he after his stroke he said i would never wish the stroke upon anyone but i hope that you would feel the grace that i've gotten from the stroke and i think that there's definitely something really potent about that mm, and i also like that you compared them to like the fact that they look like warriors because for them like the ability to be adorned to be crowned like the spiritual dynamic of that is stepping into warriorship it's showing up and like really embracing who you are even if it's really difficult like that is a warrior like you are actually initiating people into warriorship you know <laughs> i love that and i don't know if you've ever heard of the term of bodhisattva it's a buddhist term um and essentially a bodhisattva is someone who's like essentially already enlightened but they've chosen to reincarnate to help others and that's mm -hmm. kind of like what this kind of work is you know like you've put your own needs for like material comfort aside so that you can help create this space and yeah i mean i i'm gonna go ahead and say you're very likely a bodhisattva oh so, you're so um, sweet yeah but <laughs> what an yeah honor. So how did this turn into the, um, the nonprofit that you're starting, the Crowns of Courage? Um, what, how long did you spend adorning people with crowns before you decided that you wanted to take this to the next level? You're talking about teaching other artists to be able to take this. You're becoming kind of an umbrella for other people to grow underneath, so to speak. What did, yeah. what did that transformation look like? So it was during Art Prize, um, that I realized the actual like really powerful impact that this actually has on people, people that would walk by and see it, even women that had maybe, you know, gone through cancer in the past and say like, wow, like I, w I wish I had this or I wish my daughter and my aunt or, uncle, you know, like they had the same experience and um, like, like I see it in these women's eyes and I see it like this, this power and this courage that comes behind it. And, um, so I, I was hooked. I was like, you know what? This is like so fulfilling for me to be able to give this art as a blessing for, for these women that I had to continue doing it. And um, so it was, it took me about like four months to get it through the paperwork to have it become an actual nonprofit. And I feel very like blessed and honored because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Just like when I started my business, I was like, you know what? I... I'm not going to let not knowing what I'm doing stop me from doing it. And I know that like when I step into it, it's going to be hard and it's, I'm going to fail so many times, but that's where the lessons are. And so I just jumped right in and it was that it was 2017 that summer that I began training girls and doing henna with me. So more so with me, with my business, happy henna, but ultimately when they grew their skills up enough, they would actually like come with me to do henna crowns. Um, and adorn these women um, because I was taking them through that same experience that I had, the spiritual um, experience of life growth, of affirmations, of truly adorning and loving myself and believing that I had these skills and growing those skills even through, um, you know, thinking that I had failed or the art wasn't good enough, like, and really building that confidence in myself so that when it came time for me to adorn someone that is going through cancer, that is 
they're facing life and death. It's a very like, it's a very sacred space that you have to hold. And to be able to hold that space as an artist, as a person, as a healer, um, it does take some training to get there to, um, to just really like be present and to listen and to have like a calm enough space for healing to take place. And, um, you know, you could be a great artist, but you might be really horrible at like communicating with people. (laughs) That's a lot of artists are. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, like training those girls on that whole mindset is a whole nother thing. And so, um, so far I have five girls in Michigan that, um, have been trained and certified and work for me and like are now doing these crowns. And, um, my goal now is to do this type of artistic life coaching for other henna artists or even artists that want to get into this art form. And, or maybe someone's listening right now and they're like, wow, that's so amazing. Like, you know, I never really considered myself as an artist, but what she's talking about, like, I need, I need that self-love. I need, I want to work on that and I want to find that presence within myself. So, um, now I have all these tools and I am now teaching and training girls who are interested to ultimately like even be part of the nonprofit if they would like to, to offer their skills back and to adorn these women. Wow. So where are you at currently with the nonprofits like process and unfolding? Um, What's like the roadmap as of right now? So the roadmap right now is to get funding. Um, I really need to hire people. (laughs) I've realized that I cannot do this by myself because I am learning that I have certain skills that I'm really great at. I'm really good um, at being the visionary, like doing the art, like seeing like the whole purpose and the, and the, the product behind this. Um, but I'm really bad at doing the operations of this and making sure, you know, the follow-up, the, the timing. Um, it, takes, it takes a lot of work to do the organization of actually like setting up a crown, right? So if I'm going to be following my nonprofit process of these women are getting their makeup done, they're getting a photo shoot. Um, these women are going through chemo. There's certain chemos that are a lot stronger than others. Sometimes they have to get them weekly, sometimes um, biweekly. Uh, when you're going through chemo, you're not going to be able to sit still enough or even want to leave your home to have this experience. So to be able to um, you know, find the right timing to where all these pieces connect to have this experience happen um, is, you know, important. And I want to do this really well. So not only like have a team, uh, like an operations person to help me, like um, the right like marketing team to help with uh, funding and like getting more, um, you know, PR and uh, the training tools and the things to equip to make sure that all these girls have uh, the tools to be able to do this. Um, I'm in the process where through my business, Happy Henna, I am doing this on a smaller scale. So people that want to like, you know, learn from me and stuff, I can send them the product and I can do some coaching and training. Um, but to get enough funding to like hire people to help uh, with like the bigger idea and the bigger process of having artists in different cities um, is helpful. And then, you know, paying for the product and um, 
ultimately my goal is to have each of the artists be paid as well. Of course. So about a month ago, I decided to um, launch a Kickstarter campaign uh, for um, getting these books of these women's images and stories out into the public, as well as putting these books into cancer centers across the country. And um, I really should not have used Kickstarter, but it has been, um, I've learned a lot from it, (laughs) which I'm really grateful for because it has taught me to um, see things a different way. And it's helped me to really get focused really fast and to get that help and the support that I needed. Um, However, Kickstarter is not really... um, a platform that should be used for like nonprofits, right? And I, I thought in my head like, oh, these books are really powerful and like they'll get out into the world. Like who wouldn't want these? Um, however, I don't think it really translated the way I wanted to. So I have not reached the amount that I wanted to, which is $30,000. Um, however, I extended it an extra week, which I'm so grateful that Kickstarter is letting me do that. Right now I have uh, reached $8,000 for this funding. Now with Kickstarter, which is unfortunate, if you don't reach your goal, you don't get any of that funding back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this, right? However, I do believe that it is absolutely possible to reach the goal within this next week. Um, And uh, if not, like I know that those people who have funded will probably fund, you know, in a different way. Um, But I'm still rooting for myself and for the nonprofit to reach that goal. And what's really cool about Kickstarter is that when you do donate and you give and you fund towards this, you will get something in return. So if you go to the link, I'm sure you'll post it. Watch the video because the video itself is very powerful. And then scroll down and see the options to fund And even if you were to fund like, what, $22, right, you're going to get something in return. We're going to mail you something. You're going to get some sort of gift back. Um, One of the most uh, powerful gifts that I'm really excited about is I had put in for if you give $444, you'll not only receive the book that we're making of 100 women with all their images and their stories. It could be an amazing gift for someone um, maybe battling cancer or you could donate it. Um, but you're also going to have the opportunity to learn henna directly from me. I will wow. do um, a mini course with you to learn the art of henna, but also like the root meaning and the purpose behind it. To not only it be um, a healing form for yourself, but get you on the Kickstarter kick towards being part of the nonprofit. So if you're like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. I love this. I mean, I've been playing with Hannah before. I want to go deeper and I want to be part of Amanda's team um, to eventually become certified and be part of the nonprofit. Um, So that's an amazing gift. I'm going to send you all the product that you need to have that jumpstart in being a professional Hannah artist. I'll give you the Hannah powder, the the, um, application tools that you need, the essential oil, and then I'll walk you through the whole process of how to make the paste and, you know, the history and the meaning and the depth and, um, you know, creating it yourself. And then I'm also going to be coaching you along the way to help you get out of that, those stuck, um, blockages that you have for really adorning and loving yourself and then being able to authentically relate and do it with other people. So that's um that's a huge, huge discount as of, you know, 
being a life coach and helping people can, um, you know, be several thousand dollars, but I'm offering it for $444 for people that uh, really want to, um, to use as a practice to, to adorn and to love themselves and then to ultimately do this for other people. So um, that's part of it. There's tons of other options. You know, I'm really looking for bigger uh, backers and donors that can help me like get this last stretch in this last week. So I'm looking for donors that can, um, you know, back this and fund this five thousand, ten thousand. And even if you were to go up to the um, ten thousand, I think it's like eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight. I will fly to wherever you are. I will crown someone that's been going through cancer, someone that you love, maybe it's your mom, your daughter, I'll go there, I'll crown them, we'll get um, them adorned, we'll have their photo taken, and they'll actually be placed in this book that will be going into cancer centers across the country. So like how powerful and how beautiful that would be, not only a gift, you know, for your family forever, but to impact your loved one and to give them this beautiful voice and to empower thousands and hundreds of thousands of women that are battling the same thing that they're battling. Wow. So, Amanda, yeah. this work is so good. Thank you. You did such a good thing. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure that some of the listeners are going to be following suit because what you're doing is its honestly really incredible. Mm. So. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. All the details are going to be down low um, in the the description on the website. Um, so is there anywhere else that they can reach you outside of the website and the uh, nonprofit? Do you have other social media stuff? or? Yeah, I have an Instagram. Um, it's Henna Crowns of Courage on Instagram. Um, you'll be able to see tons of videos of the women that have been crowned and like little fun stuff on there. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. So on the YouTube channel, I had an amazing opportunity to hire some videographers and some of them even donate their time um, to show the whole process of what these women get to experience. So you'll get to see like them coming in and getting their makeup on and then getting adorned with henna and then having this amazing transformation of being photographed afterwards and it's so cool to see what these women um you can see in their eyes and how they hold themselves when they first arrive to when they are getting their photo shoot done and they're so confident and they feel so beautiful and for moments they forget they're even sick wow. so it's um it's really cool and you'll get to hear their story being overlapped um throughout the that adorning process in the video so go ahead and check out henna crowns of courage on youtube um and then i do have some of their stories on my podcast which will be coming soon i there's a couple up there i'd like to you know once i get enough funding with the nonprofit and you know getting the sources and the help um to really make this bigger (laughs) wonderful and um as soon as that like fully launches i'll definitely plug it for you as well i mean not that i have the largest listener base but you know um, (laughs) if people are just spacey it's 2022 21 you know so yeah awesome well amanda thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it um and we'll see you next time yeah thank you so much of course talk to you soon bye All right, friends, that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Uh, If you check out the links down below, you can help support Amanda's Kickstarter for Crowns of Courage. 
Um, and we will definitely be seeing you next week. I got something super steamy for you guys. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All right. Have a good one. Bye.